morning, everyone. Now, this morning, we're going to start off <clears throat> by me doing a little bit of reading. Um, our our first, first item on our uh, handout this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at the, last week we looked at the tribulation uh, as spoken of in the Old Testament. Now we're going to look at it from the New, New Testament uh, perspective. And I've got the first things here from 70 A.D. to the middle of the 70th week. We touched on it slightly last time. Uh, we're not going to uh, <clears throat> major on this one, although we, we certainly could. But what I'd like to do is because the, we're going to look at the, what's known as the Olivet Discourse, and that's that conversation, that time of teaching that Jesus had with his disciples as they were on their way just were actually the day before, uh, be about Wednesday of Passion Week, and so they asked him. It says, "Well, what are the, you know, what are the signs of your coming, and when's it going to be, and all that?" And so, this is the answer he gave them. Matter of fact, the answer is in, uh, I've got it right here in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So what I'm going to do this morning, I gave you the verses here in, on the handout. What I'm going to do is I'm going to read them from this book, and what this is. Uh, I don't know if some of you have heard of a, what is called, known as a harmony of the Gospels. Well, there's a, uh, I know years ago, A.T. Robertson, I know, put one together, and, um, and other people have as well. I'm going to read from what, it, the harmony of the Gospels, where you get, it's a book that's got all the Gospel passages, and they're in parallel. And then you have the, there, here, you have all the passages that speak of the same thing there, and then it goes through. This one's a little different. This one is a, they took the harmony of the gospel and blended it into one single narrative. And so what I'm going to do is read from that one single narrative from the Olivet Discourse, which is going to be taken from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Okay, so if you want to pick one of those and try to follow along, go for it. You'll, you'll hit it now and then and you'll miss it. So I'm just going to go, it won't take but a few minutes. So the Olivet Discourse, and it's going to start with Matthew uh, 24, verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and donations. One of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here? And Jesus answered and said to them, do you not see all these great buildings? Assuredly, I say to you, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now as, now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew came to him privately saying, Teacher, tell us when will these things be? What will be the sign when all these things are about to take place? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ. And the time has drawn near and will deceive many. Therefore, do not go after them. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass first. But the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. 
and there will be great earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence, and there will be fearful sights and great signs from the heaven. All these are the beginning of sorrows. But watch out for yourselves, for before all these things there will be... For, for before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you. They will deliver up to councils and prisons, and you'll be beaten in the synagogues. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. You'll be brought before rulers before, and kings before my sake, but it will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. When they arrest you and deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or, or premeditate what you will speak. Settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. Whatever is given you in, in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. You know, that can even be testified when you hear some of the testimonies of the Reformers as they were burning at the stake. It's amazing some of the things those men said and women for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which, you, which your adversaries will not be able to contradict or resist. And then many will be offended will, and will betray one another and will hate one another. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. And children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, relatives and friends. And you will be hated by, by all for my name's sake. But not a hair of your head shall be lost. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he endures to the end shall be saved. By your patience, possess your souls. And this gospel of the kingdom must first be preached into all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. When you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then know that his desolation is near. Therefore... When you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing where it ought not in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let, let those who are in the midst of her depart, and let not those who are in the country enter her. Let him who was at the housetop not go down into the house nor enter to take anything out of the house, and let him who was in the field not go back to get his clothes for these are the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For there will be great distress in this land and wrath upon, upon this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and be led captive into all nations. And Jerusalem will be trampled by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. In those days there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world which God created, until that this time no nor ever shall be. And unless the Lord had shortened those days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. Now, back up just a little bit, and that part where... Anyway, the... This now runs from the perspective of Jesus talking about when you see the temple destroyed, that happened in 70 AD. And all those events run right up to and wind up in the middle of the tribulation. Let's look at Daniel chapter 20, or excuse me, Matthew 24. 
you, if anyone finds Daniel chapter 24, let me know. <laughs> it's got a whole different numbering system than I do. Okay. <clears throat> Matthew 24. And just very quickly, where he says, uh, he's answering the question, and it, number verse 4 says, see to it that no one misleads you. First thing you want to know, this is right after the temple's destruction of the temple, chaos is everywhere, and we run through, and then verse 13 says, but the one who endures to the end, shall, he shall be saved, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world for a witness to all the nations, and then the end shall come. Verse 15, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. I'm going to stop right there. We don't need to go any further. Now, what's being taught here? Right here, when we get to this 15, where the abomination of desolation, which corresponds where with Luke says, when you see Jerusalem surrounded. Okay, a lot of people say, oh, Jerusalem surrounded. When that's seven, no, 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 no. That's the middle of the week. That's the middle of the week. You just follow the flow, and it goes through. We're to the middle of the week. And so we, you go from, his, from 70 A.D., when the buildings are knocked down, we, we can put a date on that. And then... <clears throat> Verse 15, we can at least put a, an event on that, that we can put a time in this respect that will be in the middle of that 70th week, tribulation. which is the tribulation period. So three and a half years in, boom, this is going to happen. And then from that point on is what is known as the great tribulation, which will be the latter half of that seven-year period. So we can get right to this central point. Now... <clears throat> The characteristic of this time period, and that begins right with uh, the coming of Christ, really, where he says in verse, I'm going to just read off our notes, see to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name. Identical statement in both Matthew and Mark. Luke puts Luke says, says it this way, see to it that you are not misled, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and and the time is at hand. Now, how often throughout history has people been preaching around saying, oh, here's the income, here's the end, it's the end, here's the end, here's the end, you know? And what does he say? Don't go after them. <laughs> Don't go after them. Let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. And the point I'm trying to make here is that, as we saw last time from Hebrews in Hebrews 1, we are living in the last days. And the last days is an equivalent statement to we are living in the Messianic era. Okay, we are living in that area. These are, prophetically speaking, these are the last days till Christ comes and sets up his kingdom. We're, these are the last days. This is the last period of time. This messianic era. And you know what? Think about that with Christmas. We're celebrating Christmas. You know, we're celebrating not only the, the, the birth of Messiah, but the actual 
beginning of the last day. <coughs> the messianic era. Messiah is born. Unto us the son is given. All right? His kingdom will, will last forever. I mean, that's, this is the messianic era. It starts. That's why, you know, <clears throat> people get frustrated sometimes because the world so messes up the holiday of Christmas. But, okay, let them mess it up. I expect them to do that. But uh, just think about it from our perspective. That is our Messiah. It's, it's, it's much more than a nice, cute little story. Okay? It's, it's, that's the beginning of the Messianic era. And we have a great deal to do with it. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. But the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, explicitly says that in the latter times some will fall away from the faith paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as, as with a branding iron. That's today. That's what, that's what Paul's talking about. That's what he's telling Timothy, you know, keep watch, watch out. Look at Second Peter. Second Peter 2. <clears throat> Verses 1 through 3. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. And we just move uh, perhaps across the page to chapter 3, verse 3. Know this first of all, that in the last days mockers will come, and and with their mocking follow after their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? There's the other side of the false coin, right? Denying he's coming. Where is the promise of coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. <clears throat> and then Jude. Don't forget Jude. Jude is like a follow-up, really, to Second uh, Peter chapter two, especially, where <clears throat> Peter in Second Peter chapter two warns us that hey, false teachers are coming. They're coming. They're on their way. We get to Jude. Jude's telling us they're here. <laughs> okay, they've arrived. Okay, Jude three, beloved. While I was making every effort to write to you about our our common salvation. I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed, those who were long before him marked out for this condemnations, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our Lord our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, it, they're here. They're all over the place. They're, they come a variety of their religions come in a variety of different names. Uh, many of them under the 
broad category of even Christianity, but they're false. Our defense against false teachings, well, Jude gives us, Jude 17 says this, But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've got that. It's called the New Testament. (laughs) We've got that. That they were saying to you, in the last time, there will be mockers following after their own godly lust. That sounds a lot like 1 Timothy, doesn't it? These are the ones who cause divisions, worldly-minded, devoid of spirit. I have devoid of spirit. Yes, devoid of the spirit. Thank you. But you, beloved, building yourselves upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't... What some people falsely interpret this as as some private prayer language, nope. (laughs) Praying in the Holy Spirit means you're praying in truth. That's what that means. In in the context of Jude and and every other place it's said like that, that's exactly what it's talking about. Praying in truth. Okay, now, and we can go back to 2 Peter 2, uh, 3 of the... they're saying in 1 Timothy 6, I like 1 Timothy 6 for this reason, because uh, this is a good one. <clears throat> 1 Timothy 6, 20 and 21. Remember, in 1 Timothy, Paul, obviously writing to Timothy, who was in Ephesus at the time, Ephesus had problems. Paul writing to Timothy, he was there, says, Timothy, do this, teach this. You just read the book, <laughs> the letter. You'll see what you see. The, but look what he ends with. Because, remember, back in, in chapter 4, he's saying, in the last time, the Spirit says explicitly that false teachers are coming. They're here. So what does he tell Timothy to do? Verse 20, you can almost hear the plea coming out of his voice. If you could hear him speak, it would, I would think it would be a plea. Oh, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you, avoiding worldly and empty chatter and the opposing arguments of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and thus gone astray from the faith. Well, it's almost like he's speaking to us today, doesn't it? (laughs) I mean, and then grace be with you. I'll tell you, it, uh, again. The King James says, and uh, oppositions of science falsely so-called. (laughs) yeah follow the science yeah yeah Yeah, i hate to tell you where to lead you some of it yeah (laughs) yeah no you're right it begin truth is truth whether it's theological truth scientific truth truth is truth follow truth sometimes it's not all that easy especially when the world's going the other direction following one lie after another and it just, it's just amazing. Now, our next section from the middle of the week to the second coming. Okay, in the middle of the week, and I'm on our handout here, in the middle of the week, the great tribulation begins. And like Matthew 24, 21 put it this way, for there will be great tribulation as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever shall be. 
I mean, that you just look back to various things through history, the, the Holocaust. Uh, I mean, the question was brought up last time about, well, what about, you know, the area that caused the flood? Well, the flood was, uh, wasn't the tribulation. That was judgment. What was going on during the flood was the whole world was in sin, turned their back on God. It was an evil time, and evil things were going on. It would be not a nice time to be around, but that period of time doesn't hold a candle to what's coming. Okay? That doesn't. And God's judgment is going to come, and, and God's judgment is going to be far worse than what those people got to. And we'll, we might get there today. Now, and then Jeremiah puts it, put it this way, Alas, for the day is great, there is none like it, and it is the time of Jacob's distress. Again, great meaning like just awesomely harsh. It's just, whoa, it's not great. as not this wonderful? No. <laughs> it, it means look out. And Zephaniah puts it this way, a day of wrath is that day, a day of trouble and distress, a day of destruction and desolation. That is that day. That is that great tribulation. Now, within the tribulation period, the gospel will be proclaimed to the whole world. Let's go back to Matthew 24. Again, this is a small point, but while we're here, I like to deal with it. And this is one of those things that um, you'll hear a lot. Again, it's not one of those deals we want to, you know, if we're in disagreement with, with what I'm going to say, we don't want to start a new denomination over this. <laughs> okay, we've got plenty. <laughs> you know, we don't need another one. <laughs> just, all right. So, Matthew 24, 14. Well, I'll go back to 13. Speaking of all this, okay, going on, goings on, uh, remember, Jesus is taking us right up to the middle of the 70th week, which is in verse 15. So as we move up in there, we've, we're started, we've, we've moved through the church age and right into the tribulation period. No, there's no indication as to when that period starts. The only thing we've got, the only time frame of any kind we have is the middle. It's the only, the middle, oh, and the end, when Jesus comes back, nobody's going to miss that one. <laughs> but as far as when does that 70th week start, there's not really going to be sign. They say, well, what, would the rapture tip it off? Not necessarily. The rapture could actually happen weeks, months, years before the tribulation even starts. We don't know. Remember, look at all the time between week 69 and week 70. There's been 2,000. It's, it's, it's on, on the Lord's time frame. We, we don't want to assume that the rapture, boom, bang, and the tribulation starts. Nowhere does it say that. <laughs> it doesn't teach us that. That's assumptions that uh, some folks give. That, that's, that the rapture, is, it's, a, it's, a, it's its own isolated event that does end the church age. But then there's, there could be like a transition period of time and things go on. And when you look at the church age, these kinds of 
troubles and tribulations have been all along the church age. You know, look at the apostles. With the exception of John, they were all killed for their faith. That's not exactly fun time, you know. Um, second century, the persecutions, third <coughs> persecutions. There's persecutions throughout the church, just all the way through. Um, and I think part of the misunderstanding is comes from those of us in the West that have never really suffered any kind of persecution to speak of. None. What? Somebody called me a bad name. Okay, that's about <laughs> as bad as it gets. <laughs> You know, you know, they don't send me Christmas cards anymore. You know, okay. <laughs> I mean, that's, but, I mean, please don't mistake that as tribulation. That's not, you know. Yes? Um, I just had a question uh, a little bit further down from that. Um, in Matthew twenty four fifteen down, actually, 24, 20. And mm-hmm. it says, and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. My um, study Bible doesn't reference why the Sabbath is mentioned there, because if you go back to Matthew 12, you know, Jesus basically defends, you know, Sabbath healing, Sabbath work. Um, and so why would, why would it be referenced and pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath? Like, why would that matter? Well, in the okay, I well, I think okay, the winter I think is self-explanatory. That one makes total sense. Yeah, which which tells us he's speaking in the context of a worldwide situation. The whole world is going to be involved in this, but the context of his statement is in a Jewish context. There will be Jews that observe the Sabbath. And if you go back about Sabbath day's journeys, what is that about, what is it, tenth of a mile or something like that? Okay, so that could cause people to hold back and not take off like they should, even though when this time frame comes around, those, this, the Sabbath isn't now something we observe as they did, as Jewish Jews did prior to the death and resurrection of Christ. But some, I believe it sounds like some are going to. And again, it's written <clears throat> to the people, well, it was spoken to the apostles, but then it's looking forward. And there's going to be, remember, well, don't remember, we haven't been there yet, but we're going to, when we get to uh, the book of Revelation, it's going to be the Jews that are carrying the gospel. The church is gone. The gospel of the kingdom will be coming to the world by way of the Jews. Okay? And I think that's one of the reasons the Antichrist eventually rises up and persecutes them. Because if you remember the Antichrist, he wants, he wants to be praised. And so he, wants, he puts himself above all gods. And there's Jews, and they're gonna, I think they're going to have some kind of a Sabbath thing, and I don't know what it is then. They're also going to have a temple. See, so there, there's going to be um, a type of Jewish... I think it's going to be changed somewhat because they'll be preaching the gospel, but they're going to have... And we don't... I don't know for sure of, of what exactly the Sabbath means at this point in history. That's still future from us. Okay? 
So evidently, uh, there's things going on, and maybe because the Sabbath day journey was more of a Pharisaic thing. It wasn't even true. So anyway, yeah. I have heard that they do observe the Sabbath, and all kinds of things are shut down. You know, your businesses, everything. Oh, a lot of your Orthodox Jews do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like when, way back when, remember, they... They used to roll up the sidewalks in America. You could hardly find a place open on Sunday. Yeah, that was I, I even remember that to a degree. <laughs> and, I, and I don't go, I don't go too much past the medieval period. But <laughs> but yeah, and again, it's very difficult to look forward to a time that hasn't happened yet. And this is going to change. But the Sabbath is going to have an effect on people not taken off when they should take off. And Jesus says, get out. <laughs> Don't even go down. If you're on that top of the house, get out on the ground and head out. Don't even go inside to grab stuff. Move. Because it's the middle of the week. It's, that's when the... Uh, that's when the Antichrist goes in and desecrates the temple, and he's not going to be alone. And his people are just going to go out and mass persecution is going to start. That's why he says, get out. It's not just don't get out because you don't want to see what's going on. No, get out because persecution begins that day. And him desecrating the temple is just part of it. Just part of it. I hope that answered your question. It's a tough one. That's as best as I can do. you know. But it again, it's a time where... Well, let's let's look at our let's look at these. Both Jew and Gentile will be saved. Let's look at Revelation seven. Revelation seven. Anyway, in verse fourteen, I'm thoroughly convinced that verse fourteen is a statement concerning in in Matthew twenty four, where it says the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world for a witness all the nations, and then the end shall come. <clears throat> I believe that's speaking about the tribulation period itself that within the tribulation period, the gospel will be preached to the entire world. Again, the whole world's going to hear the gospel in that seven-year period. So the whole world's going to be accountable for that gospel in that seven-year period. And those that reject the gospel in that seven-year period are going to be judged for it. Just, just follow me. Look at... <clears throat> There's no question in my mind. In our time frame, I believe the gospel's been around the world already. It's been to every nation now. Some are getting it for a second, third, fourth time. Okay? But uh, I'm going to Revelation 7 as I whiz past chapter 10. Okay. Revelation 7, 4 to 14. It's a little long, but it's important to get the context of this. Here's a remnant of Israel. You get to chapter 7. It's one of those chapters that you're going along in Revelation. It happens a lot. Uh, depending on how far we're probably not going to finish this until next week. But um, <clears throat> it's okay. I don't want to skim through it because I know there's a lot of confusion on this stuff. But um, this, in Revelation, it often stops, pauses for a minute, and explains some of the cast of characters, if you will, that are involved in this period of time. Verse 4 of chapter 7. And I heard the number of those who were sealed... 
144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Important point. I, I know I make it all the time and maybe to the point of being obnoxious about it, but all 12 tribes of Israel are known by God. They're not lost. Nobody's gone. They're so not lost, we're, they're going to name them here for us. Okay? Verse 5, from the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 from the tribe of Levi, 12,000 from the tribe of Ishakar, 12,000 from Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. Okay? Got them all. They're sealed. 144,000 that represent each tribe. My, uh, my opinion on this is, because we see them later on, these are kind of like your, this, the head of the spear, if you will, of Israel taking that gospel out to the world. And uh, the tip of the spear. Now, verse 9, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, ah, which no one could count, from every nation and tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne, around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. We're going to be there, folks. Get ready. And one of the elders answered, saying to me, who, who are these? These are those clothed in white. Who are, who are they? They are from, and they're from where they have come. And I said to him, my Lord, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation, and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Who are these people? Well, they come from... Um, Every nation, all tribes, the peoples, tongues, standing before the throne for them. Who are all these people? The question is asked. These are those that have been saved out of the tribulation. Martyred. Like I said, the, we may not be standing there with them, but we will be witnessing this. We'll have our own time which have, with them. But uh, we're going to see all this firsthand in heaven. Amazing. Amazing. For this reason, because they washed their white, their blood in the Lamb, verse 14, for this reason they are before the throne of God. They serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne. Hey, it's wonderful. I mean, they're, they're, they just join right in with the rest of us up there in heaven. I mean, it's amazing. They got saved in the Great Tribulation. Most, more than likely. Yeah, I, I mean, as I read through it, and we'll get through this probably more next week and move on from there. I've got a sneak suspicion in the in the tribulation period. I think there's not a whole lot of people that die of natural causes. You know what I mean? It just there's just so much going on. Um, Revelation 14 verse 6. The uh, 144,000 and the Jews aren't are not going to be alone in their evangelistic effort 
Now, throughout these judgments, again, verse chapter 14 breaks in and speaks of it, and he goes, uh, I saw another angel. And angels, by the way, are extremely active in putting out these judgments of God. Extremely active. They were very active at Christmas time, weren't they, also, right? Gabriel came, Zacharias, to Mary, the angels to the shepherds. Very active. Very active here, too. And I saw another angel flying in the mid-heaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. An angel. God's going to send an angel. I don't know what that's going to look like. Some say, well, that must be an airplane with a loudspeaker. No. 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 I mean, there's, there's, there's so many crazy things. People, You know, in this time period especially, it is not hard for me to accept that this is an angel. No, not at all. Not at all. Would that be through his um, people who are, I, I say prophets, people who know the word of God and proclaim it at the right time. Proclaiming, like I mean, being watchmen on the wall. I, in, the, in the context of Revelation, where angels are throwing out, you know, blowing trumpets and, well, they haven't got the, and pouring bowls and letting loosing people from <laughs> it the context is it's an angel this is another angel doing something else and the something else is preaching and look at this let me just keep going and this angel about this angel says in verse 7 and he said this angel said with a loud voice fear god give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made the heaven and the earth and sea, and springs of water. And here's a, and another angel, a second one, followed, saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who has made the nations drink of the wine of the passion of immor, 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 immorality. And another angel, a third one. Again, messages, 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 messages. These are just angels, bang, boom. I mean, there is no excuse. You've got people, the Jews, giving testimony of the fact, and matter of fact, Go back to Isaiah 53. Who has believed our report? That's what the Jews are going to be preaching and saying once they, once the light comes on in their, nationally as they're heading. They go, oh. <laughs> you know, they says, we esteemed him smitten. Ay, ay, ay. That's kind of a Yiddish thing there. You know, they're going to come to the, they're going to come to the understanding one day who Christ really is, the, the real Messiah, their Messiah. Like Peter said, who they rejected. They're going to come to know who he is. And they're going to preach who he is to the world. And like I say, in the, during the tribulation period, they're going to have help. And there'll be more preaching. And, some, and saved Gentiles, I'm going to make that assumption, are going to be preaching as well. Okay, just like some of the like saved Jews in our era preach the gospel. Okay when it's predominantly a Gentile church. But then I just, it just keeps talking about the angel doing this, angels doing that. Um, and they're announcing judgment, and they're, they're giving people and, and repent. Because by the time you get into chapter 14, this thing's winding down. Chapter 16, you've got the bold judgment, which should come in furious. 
you've got another, like another intermission, and then chapter 19, you got the second coming. And when that happens, too late, done, done. Does that make sense? Yeah, I wanted to add to that. Um, I just, Mark and I were just listening to uh, Amir Sarfati, who is Jewish, um, lives in Israel. And he was explaining how the Jew, Jews today, they will read through Isaiah, but skip over Isaiah 53. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And so, and they were called to, uh, to preach to all the world. Well, they're going to be doing it, but it's going to be... Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be Isaiah 53 that they're going to be preaching. Isn't that interesting how, you know, the Lord, you know, said, I'm going to kick you out of the land because you haven't observed the Sabbath. And now he's going to make the land have the Sabbath. So in the same way, you didn't do what I told you to do. So now, I'm going to send 144,000 Billy Grahams out, and they're all going to teach Isaiah 53. <laughs> and they'll even be more accurate than Billy. Because yeah. <laughs> they will preach that there's one and only one way to salvation. Billy Graham did not preach that, did not teach that. That's, I'm sorry to say. Unfortunately, but So, not everybody's perfect, but when he preached, his gospel was good. Yeah. But it's he weird. He said me many times in my early life. <laughs> that's right that's what the that's what the I new thought. song is you must be born again and again and again no okay. all right all right enough of this tomfoolery here we go Matthew or excuse me gosh I'm getting dyslexic here Revelation chapter 6 and we'll probably use this as an introduction for next week we'll probably pick it up right here Revelation chapter 6, what you have here is the, the beginning of the, you have the tribulation period starting, okay, and um, like this, you get the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, so the first four uh, seals that are opened, but you know what, rather than that, I'm going to, because the time is so short, I want to, I would like to back up to Revelation chapter 5. And perhaps in a small way prepare our hearts for the upcoming sermon and our the rest of our day. And let's look into heaven. Say, like you know, we're, we're into the, we're getting into the tribulation here, chapter five. Let's 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 move into heaven to where the church is at this point in time, and uh, let's see what. Uh, we might be doing here. Matter of fact, yeah, I can I can read this little bit. I'll try chapter five, verse one. And I saw on the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book, written inside on it, the back, the sealed up with seven seals, more like a scroll rolled up. And then you break the seals, and it rolls open to another. So you break the seal, and it just kind of keeps unfolding. Okay. Sealed up with seven seals, verse 2. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. See, these angels are all over the place during this time period. Proclaiming with a loud voice, who was worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. And I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. 
And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion is from the tribe that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David has overcome, so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders of the Lamb standing as if it were slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, set out into all the earth. And he came and he took took of it in the right hand and said to him who sat on the throne, And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, having each each, each one a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and did purchase for our God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and you have made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God. And they will reign upon the earth. And I looked and I heard the voices of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them. I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. And with that, with that we are, I can't add to that at all. We're dismissed.